Welcome to episode 79 of the Process Podcast in the moment. Today we have Dr. Chantel Green on the podcast with us. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Green. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, could you tell the listeners where you're from? I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida. What was it? What was it like growing up down there in Dade County? Oh man, 305. You gotta love it. Um, <laughs> it was great. I, I had a great support system being from Miami. Um, loved growing up here. My family's originally from Jamaica. And so uh, coming to the States to create an opportunity for me and my sister. So just being in Miami, it was uh, one thing I always say is it's a melting pot. So being surrounded by so many different people, it was always great. Um, I loved being able to see people who look like me, learning from people who didn't look like me, but just really being able to kind of live a life where um, there was always something happening. So the part, the best part of Miami is it's where people vacation and it really is. So there were always people around, always jam packed. Don't miss the traffic, but it was it was great growing up here. What part of Miami? What high school did you go to? You know, what was it like? Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I'm from uh, way south, not as south as Homestead, but uh, I grew up in um, Colonial, so um, part of Miami uh, down south. And I went to Palmetto Senior High School. Also went to Palmetto Middle. Um, so Palmetto was a big chunk of my years, but. Growing up uh, here, going to school at Palmetto, um, we had some good days in terms of sports, not so good days in terms of sports. Um, we have our standout teams, but uh, sports was a big draw for me to go to Palmetto. Um, at that time, we were really good. Um, I was really fortunate to play with some great uh, teammates at Palmetto, won some championships with Palmetto. So it was a big draw to be able to go to Palmetto and get those great experiences from playing sports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and playing sports, what sport did you play? Play basketball. Um, I started playing basketball probably when I was in, I'd say maybe like the third or fourth grade. Um, and so it was just always something that I did. You know, life is always hard and you find ways to kind of navigate um, navigate life and sports was that for me. I played basketball. Um, I was also a swimmer, not as much, ran track just to do it, um, to stay in shape. But basketball was my main thing, whether it was my school team, uh, my travel teams, AAU. 
tournaments and things like that. So it really consumed a large part of, of my life growing up. I was never home, um, but sports really taught me so much in terms of time management, leadership, uh, how to work with other people. So those are those quality skills that I think you learn as an athlete that you don't necessarily get from um, being a non-athlete. I think those are some of the things, the qualities that I gathered playing sports from a young age, how to get along and navigate being in spaces with large groups of people, which was always fun. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, go on to play, you know, D1 or did you go on to college to play sports or what was that transition like to the uh, University of Florida? Yeah, so I th think that you speak to this, the part of me that's always, my heart always breaks when I think about what life could have looked like had I played in college. Um, I had a lot of friends who went on to play D1, D2 universities. Um, my senior year, I actually got injured um, going into my senior year. And I think part of it was basketball had consumed my life for so long. Um, you start to notice the passion can start to kind of, you start to dwindle in terms of passion for the sport. Um, I started to notice that. And then especially after getting injured, it takes a, a big part of you. You feel like your identity is lost. And for that time of rehab and working hard to get myself back in shape, to get back on the court, um, you start to wonder like, is this what I see myself doing forever? And then I also started to ask myself, what does life look like after sport? And so I was really fortunate. I was a, a good student. So academically, I was able to kind of push myself to get into uh, Florida. So Florida is actually the only university I applied to. Uh, I kind of proud of myself on that because it was kind of a shot in the dark. I was like, I'm going to apply. If I don't get in, then I'll see what my options are. So early, uh, early admission to Florida, and then I, I managed to get in. But it was really the reason that I pursued a degree in athletic training once I got to Florida because dealing with my injury, being around sports my whole life, I couldn't see myself not being um, around athletes, being in the, the realm of sports but I knew that that wasn't gonna be what I was gonna do. So it propelled me to getting my undergraduate degree in athletic training. So some great experience that I, experiences that I got out of athletic training at the University of Florida. Wow, that's awesome. You know, turning kind of an unfortunate situation in, into a career path. Um, but I wanna speak more to that injury. You know, what is it like for, I know for me, my dream was to play football and you spend, like you say, you spend so much time and so much effort trying to cultivate that skill set and trying to be, you know, the best that you can at your sport. But once it's taken away from you, you, you lose that identity. What was it like, you know, going through almost like an identity crisis, almost like, like you know, I'm not an athlete anymore. And it's, it's hard because you plan so much of your life around what you think you're going to be doing. So when that was taken away, hey, I've seen it happen to so many, you know, countless people, even the work that I do now seeing that identity piece being so huge. And so I was really fortunate that my whole identity was not fully consumed by my sport. I, I started the world of athletic training when I was in high school. So I had already had a vision as to what that looked like. Um, but ultimately for me, losing that identity or realizing how quickly sport can be taken away. So we build, I think of countless hours in the gym. You think of countless days and time spent traveling, you know, missing, going to parties and things because you have practice the next morning or missing out on things that are happening with your friends and family because you're out of town for an AAU tournament. So there were so many times where I feel like I lost so much. And so all of a sudden now this huge part of me is gone and I can't go back to those experiences. Um, so that was a, it was a huge blow, but I think having the support of my family was huge to be able to say, hey, there's so much more to you. And I was really grateful. My mom did not play about school, so there was no chance to be an athlete. Like, she emphasized student athlete. And so I was really fortunate 
to have been a good student, to be able to use that, to still be able to get into school. And one thing that I think about is that's not always the case for everyone, right? If you lose your ability to kind of create the life that you want through sport, when that's taken away, what does college look like? Is that my opportunity to get into college, to be able to you know, have scholarship money? So I was really fortunate and it's not something that I take for granted in recognizing that that's not always the story for many people. If you don't have your sport, sometimes the opportunities for life after that can be taken away. So I'm just really grateful to have still been able to create a life for myself despite uh, that challenge and that identity that was lost at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You emphasize the, the key points, important to be a student first. Um, that's something I had to long and learn away. But I want to transition and talk about your transition uh, to Gainesville from coming from, you know, the hustle and bustle of the beautiful Miami to, <laughs> to Gainesville. How was that transition for you? Oh, man. Well, I will say it, it was nice to stay in Florida, right? So to be still in Florida and still get some of that Florida weather, I will say anyone who's been to the University of Florida or lived in Gainesville, it's like that two o'clock, three o'clock hour where it just happens to rain. And so you're just like, prepare for the rain. It's it's like clockwork. It will rain. Um, I also remember, you know, the weather getting down to 20 degrees and thinking to myself, I live in Florida. This is unacceptable. <laughs> So I just remember those those hard times and many people at Florida, I really quickly learned, oh, you have 15 minutes to get from one class to the next. And so I jumped on the scooter training, got myself a scooter really early on because I didn't want to be late from class to class. Huge campus, um, but it was great. I think it was so great to be able to find social groups, find groups of people. And college really is the time where you discover who you are. You find yourself, you find the people who you're gonna share that four years with people who are gonna celebrate the highs and the lows of sleepless nights, uh, had many of those, but also thinking about that transition, just being in a space where I met my best friend. My best friend was, we were both up at, up at night. I tell the story all the time, but um, it was probably, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. We went into like the study hall and hours go by and it was maybe three, four in the morning and we're still up and she, you know, everyone's already left and it's just her and I. And so hours continue to go by. It's probably four, five, six in the morning. And we're looking at each other like, are you going to sleep? And eventually we're just like, no, nope, not going to sleep. Like my test is at 8 a.m. I'm just going to study straight through. Um, <laughs> not recommended, get your sleep. Sleep is so important. But at that point, like that became my best friend. We studied all the time together. But that transition of learning, honestly, for me, high school was really easy. And so that transition of now having to be in control of yourself, what time you go to sleep, making sure that you eat, making sure that you're um, studying and the way that you study has to look different. So those are some of those big shell shocks and being in a new space, learning to cook for yourself. Um, I will admit that I was a little spoiled. My mom took great care of me. I'm grateful for that, but just really learning how to fend for yourself and um, making sure you have the right people around you during that time was was huge for me. Awesome. And, and transitioning into uh, your major, uh, you talked a little bit about why you chose your major, but I want to um, get your your perception of the fulfillment you got from your major being an athlete but also being around the sport yeah I have been an athletic trainer so I had an amazing athletic trainer when I was an athlete I had one of the best athletic trainers I can say in the world anyone can fight me on that but I would say she's the best Michelle Benz um, and so she really inspired me to see what it was like to not only focus on kind of the sport of, of athletics, but to understand physically what happens to the body as an athlete. So I got into athletic training really early on, um, doing some competitions and 
you know, certain clubs surrounding athletic training principles. And so that was one thing that I knew going into college that I wanted to do. I think, honestly, sometimes I'm grateful for my injury, which I know sounds crazy, but I don't think I would have the career that I have now had I not got injured because I probably wouldn't have had time to become an athletic trainer had I become an athlete in college um, because it is so demanding. It's really time consuming. It's really rigorous. You're basically at every practice, at every game, at rehab, you travel with the team, you are part of that team. And so it takes a lot of your time. And so I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And my experiences at Florida, I mean, I was there for the glory days, um, that 08 championship, I was there. Um, I started working with the football team and some of the other teams on campus. So I was really fortunate to be one of the athletic training students. You know, one of the ones you see running around on screen or on the camera. Mm -hmm. um, during commercials, the person running around on the sidelines, I was that person. So there were many times where I was just grateful for the experience. And a funny story is I remember going back to Florida and it was going to a football game. It was the first time I'd been to a football game and not been on the field. So being able to kind of be in that experience of not being an athletic training uh, student at that time, but just being a student and just sitting in the stands and watching, it was a different experience, but I'm really grateful uh, for being an athletic trainer because it, it really set the trajectory for my career now. You went to the University of Florida during, you know, one of the biggest sports times, you know, like what was that experience like as just as being a student and being around, you know, like the likes of Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer and those type of players? Yeah, so I think that's, it's a huge part of it. I think part of it though is when people ask that question, in the moment, you don't realize it because it's, you really do become part of a family. Like we were together 24 seven, pretty much seven days a week. And so it's like being around family. And so a lot of, I was a DB's athletic training student. And so they became like my brothers. Like we worked, we saw each other all the time. And so Urban Meyer, like I remember him coming to the athletic training room. Um, and so him being there and being able to work with him and it really was just like being with your family. Sundays we'd have chapel and we'd have uh, great, you know, banter with my position coaches. And it was really like being with a family. So, you know, sometimes the hype becomes part of the question, like, did you work with this person? Did you work with this person? And yes, I managed, I was really fortunate to work with some of those big names. Um, but more than just that, like the culture of the team was always great. We really did feel like that family and um, being able to kind of share in those experiences that no one else will understand but the people who were there when it was happening. Oh, yeah. this Because me, the first thing I think about is when you think about, especially football, you think about the gold standard programs, the Ohio States, uh, the Clemson, the Alabama, and having that chance to work in those machines that are functioning so well at a high level. And, you know, at that time, it was Florida, you know. And so what was it like working in that? like the, the elite of college football. Um, that's awesome, that's a great experience. So where did that take you? What did you want us to do after you graduated from the University of Florida? Yeah, so I remember part of my athletic training requirement was to take a sports psychology class. And so it was introduction to sports psychology. And so I sat in the class and I was just like, all right, another class. Um, I didn't fall in love with my general psychology class. It didn't, it wasn't anything that moved me. But it wasn't until I took my sports psychology class that I was like, oh wow, there's more to this. So as an athletic trainer, we focus on the physical aspect of injuries, right? So uh, preventing injuries, treating athletic injuries, diagnosing them, doing rehab. And the best part of being an athletic trainer was when you'd see someone get injured and from the minute they get injured, working with them to the point of seeing them running back on the field. Um, and so seeing kind of that whole process and that progress happening from start to finish, right? So it's kind of like the start to the end of a book it's so fulfilling to get through all the chapters of the book. And so working 
athlete at their lowest, but then also being with the athletes at the peak of being able to get back from injury. So that was a huge part of what motivated me when I was understanding the psychology of injuries. And at that point, it was like, wow, I've been ignoring the mental strain and the mental piece of injuries. I think now um, athletic training is doing a great job of understanding the psyche and how mental health has been playing such a big role in understanding injuries. But at that time, it was, how do I get you back? And now it becomes, how do I get you back healthy and whole, including focusing on the mental health? So at that point, I went on and got my master's in um, sport, exercise, and performance psychology from Barry University. And it was a great experience. I was actually able to work as an athletic trainer. So I was a graduate assistant, athletic trainer at Barry University. I worked with the volleyball team, tennis team, uh, men's and women's basketball teams. And so that was great. I was able to fuse my love for still being an athletic trainer, but also, you know, two, three days a week, I was going to class and working on my graduate work and getting my master's in sports psychology. So I was really able to learn concepts in class and then go to practices and games and see it all unfold. Like, this is what we talked about in the classroom. And now I'm seeing my athlete in the athletic training room or on the field playing out all the things that are happening in my textbook. So it was like um, the textbooks coming to life in my real life right in front of me. Wow, that's awesome. Seems like a great experience. Also, I want to ask, how was that transition academically, you know, going back home and now you're in grad school and, and, and having a more applied approach to, you know, your studies? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of that is what, I, like I mentioned, what you get from being an athlete, right? You realize that there's a lot on your table and it's gonna be how do you balance all the things that are on your plate. And so I was really fortunate, you know, I'd be traveling with my, you know, volleyball team, but I'd be on the bus, you know, writing papers or I would find time to make sure that my responsibilities got done. And so it really just became a balancing act of making sure that my teams were good. Any moment or second I had to work on my own personal assignments, I would try to get that done. But I really learned that time management from being an athlete. I learned time management being an athletic training student. Um, and so I really just carried that into my professional work where it was, okay, now you're an employee of this university, but you also want to get this degree. So I think anyone who's been through grad school, they usually know if you're working through grad school, it's finding time to make sure that you get those things done. And usually most people, they're like, well, the weekends, I'll get, get things done on the weekends. But for me, weekends were travel dates. So just trying to find time traveling on the bus. When we got to the hotel, you know, when most people were going to sleep to get ready for the next day, I had homework assignments that were due. So just really trying to find the balance was always really important. In undergrad to grad school, you know, what did you learn about yourself in undergrad? What did you learn about yourself in graduate school? That's a great question. Um, for me, spirituality was a huge piece of my discovery in undergrad. So I connected with an amazing church. I felt so supported, understood. And so during that time, I made some of my greatest friends um, at my church. And so most people laugh because they're like, that's the time where you go and turn up. But I was really grateful. I was turning up in church. Um, I found a church family when I, when I got to Gainesville. And so I was really grateful and fortunate for that. And so there was a lot of self-discovery, just healing and understanding of myself and who I was becoming and what I wanted to represent and the things that really, uh, that I valued as a human, um, that I had never been asked those questions of, you know, who's important to you, what's important to you in this life. And I was able to discover some of that. And then part of it was transitioning over to uh, graduate work. It became being able to kind of put those things that I learned about myself into practice. So, you know, no longer being in um, Gainesville, moving back to Miami, a place where, you know, I didn't have that same, you know, support group, um, but just kind of the, the life, the life in Miami is very different. 
the livelihood of Miami, going out and doing things, but still being able to hold true to the values that I learned in undergrad, I was able to kind of carry those to kind of keep me sane when I was kind of going through my graduate work, coming back to Miami. So just the back and forth, uh, staying true to who I was and not letting where I am change who I am. Awesome. So taking, you know, what you've learned from yourself from undergrad, graduate school, um, what was your next step? What, what motivated you to pursue a, a doctorate degree? Yeah, so people often laugh at me for this one too. I get laughed at a lot for my, my career, but um, so one thing I remember being in my master's program and we were in class one day talking about what are the next steps, right? The question you just asked and the, the conversation surrounded, if you really want to call yourself a sports psychologist, what do you need to do? And I remember so clearly my professor saying, well, no one can call themselves a sports psychologist without a doctorate. Like that is a, a mandate. Like if you want to work in the world of sport with athletes at the high level, you have to get this doctorate. If not, you can only call yourself things like a mental performance coach or um, other, there's many different names that people use with master's level degrees. And I think it's a, a great thing. But for me, I knew that the next step I wanted to be at was uh, working at that high level. So I knew I wanted to be back at a you know D1 university. I knew I wanted to, I saw myself working at the professional level. So I, I kind of took, took a deep breath and said, all right, let me start looking into to doctor programs. And so um, I was really fortunate to find Nova Southeast University. There was a sports psychologist that was there. Unfortunately, he left really early in my, my career there, but just being able to be in a space where I was able to actually create um, basically just a, a, a connection with the athletics department at Nova Southeastern University where student athletes felt like their mental health needs were being met. Um, just in addition to, to the resources that already existed there, being able to say, here's a safe space where you can come in and work on your mental health. And so knowing that I, I wanted to really be a reflection of the, of the profession, I knew that I wanted to hold the highest title um, when it comes to this work in sports psychology. I kind of nip, nipped it in the bud and said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go get this doctorate. So five years in um, four years of, of coursework, um, clinical work, practicums, internships, and then finally being able to graduate um, in the midst of 2020 was was quite rewarding. Wow. And congratulations on that that achievement. Um, what was it like transitioning from your master's to your doctoral program in terms of the academic rigor um, and, and getting through that, that program? You know, I, I think it's so great to be able to, to look back at the worst of your days and say, I'm so grateful for them. So for me, had I not had my injury, I wouldn't have become an athletic training athletic trainer. From that experience, the balancing act of being an athletic trainer and a graduate student, I was really fortunate to have a lot of those kind of time management, balancing the stressors of it all. So when I got into my doctorate program, I was able to just kind of transition relatively smoothly. Um, we would have class, you know, classes would go anywhere from eight or 9 a.m. up until about two or three. And every year you would have a, what we call a practicum site where you just get your clinical experience. And so I would go from, you know, class straight into my clinical work that can go for, you know, umpteenth hours. And so just based on that, realizing you have to be able to take care of yourself during that time. What are the things that are important to you? So making sure that you still find time to not lose yourself in grad school, which often happens, um, but still also getting the job done, right? So making sure that I, my responsibilities were being met. I also worked really hard. So I had three jobs throughout grad school, which people usually look at, give me a side eye for that. But um, <laughs> I, I worked not because I had to, but because there were such great opportunities at my grad, you know, grad program. I was a graduate assistant. I was a research assistant. 
Um, and so they were just great opportunities that I didn't want to miss. And then I also just worked on the weekends. Um, I worked retail on the weekends just to be able to kind of say, you know, I'm doing everything that I can to put myself in the best position for the future. So grad school was great. I balanced, I feel like I balanced it well. I mean, I made it to the other side, so it couldn't have been too bad. And I myself in that process. So I'm really fortunate to be on the other side of it. But, um, you know, there's the highs and lows, the days when professors feel like you're the only class and they all want to give you assignments at one time. And um, those days where you're just really grateful for a break, um, those holiday breaks were always fantastic. Fortunate that I didn't have to worry about traveling, right? I was still, you know, not too far from home, from Fort Lauderdale to Miami. So my transition was pretty seamless and I was really grateful again, for all the past experiences that led up to that that made it a little bit easier to balance. Awesome, awesome. So what is it, I wanna ask you kind of a, a two-part question. What does it feel like to be on the other side of the wall, graduated, now you're Dr. Green, and you know, what are you doing now in terms of your career? You know, so <laughs> I think I'm still, still getting used to it. There's times when people say doctor, and I'm like, who are they talking to? Or <laughs> I'll realize like, oh, that's me. And I, I, I don't hold too fast to the title. For me, it was, less about the title, more about the work that I knew that I wanted to do and I was committed to doing. And I knew that that was just part of it. So um, after graduating, uh, most people go on to do what we call a postdoc. So just after your doctorate work, post work where you get uh, more experience. And I was really fortunate, um, maybe two months later, I started a job. So I work currently at a big 12, you know, D1 university as a, a, psycho a staff psychologist. So I provide psychological resources for student athletes. So it's the dream, right? So being able to be, I'm embedded in an athletics department, which we're one of the only in the country that exists. Um, most other places you have to either go to the counseling center or you have to go to someone within the community to be able to meet the mental health needs of the athletes. But I'm really fortunate to be at a place where they saw the value in mental health for the student athletes. And so we work right alongside coaches. We work right alongside the athletic trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, the nutritionists. Um, we're embedded in that program. So we really, at the university that I'm at now, we, we work with the student athletes, mind, body, and you know every aspect of the athlete is, is being um, attended to. Not just thinking about physically, what can you do for us, but mentally, how can we best support you? So really fortunate for that. Um, and then just working closely with, you know, plans on, you know, what does the future look like? Can I work, you know, closely with professional teams or what does it look like to be able to build this um, department that we have now at this university? There's been so many opportunities that have come from it. And so thinking about for many people, they're currently on uh, postdocs. I was really fortunate to jump right into a staff position. So um, for a lot of people, the process would have been an additional year. I was really uh, grateful to get a head start um, a year early and just kind of dive right into the profession, which has been rewarding. Wow, that's awesome. So, so the podcast was, was started around this idea of, you know, kind of overcoming adversity, but also kind of serving as peer mentorship. You know, like I've been through this thing, this is what I did to get through it, and this is what it feels like to get on the other side. So I have like a personal question for me is, is how does it feel to finally be able to trust in your skill set that you've developed for so long? Because, you know, being in academia, you could be in academia in this rat race for so long. But now you're you're kind of in that context. You're doing what, what you went to school to do. How does it feel to actually be applying full time what you learned? Yeah, I, that's such a great question. I think part of it is recognizing that we as people are resilient. I think um, recognizing that within ourselves, we have the abilities to do all the things that we envision doing. There's just life that gets in the way of that. And so it becomes, I can't always move life out of the way, but how can I move along with life as it's happening to still be able to do what I have to do? 
Um, and so not seeing life as like this barrier because you know, life does happen, that adversity is going to come. It's about how we choose to respond. And so something I always say was, you know, during those hard times, it's not the thoughts that come into our head, but it's the thoughts that we let stay there. And so it's the thoughts about ourselves that we let stay there or the thoughts that we have about the future that can be the ones that, that, that resounding voice in our head that says it's too hard. We're not going to be able to do it. And it has to be the internal voice or sometimes saying it out loud, the external voice that reminds us that we're fully capable. And so I think as we move past one adversity or one adverse event and we move towards the next, we have to remember what we were able to just get ourselves through. And so if I look back at my past event of, let's say, for example, injury, that could have been something that took me out or it's the very thing that propelled me forward. And so um, I think every adverse event that has happened in my life, um, often not necessarily only involving me, right? So family, you know, health and situations that come up that you have no control over. It's how do I use the skill set that I was given starting as early as high school? How do I use that to propel me into undergrad? How do I take high school and undergrad to propel me through grad school? And to now again, be on the other side, it's I've now accumulated all the you know, skills necessary. Um, and I think it also does help to be a psychologist so I can kind of all the tools that I teach other people, I can apply them to myself. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like having that tool belt, right? Having that tool belt where as you learn new things, um, as you learn and you go through life, what tool is gonna be necessary for me to pull out that tool belt that's gonna help me overcome whatever challenges in my way. Because you know, one event, one situation, it might not be able to use a screwdriver, but it really can use a hammer. And so knowing what tool am I gonna use based on what's in front of me to be able to get the task done is important. Awesome. So during the last phase of the, the podcast, we asked a few questions. One of the questions is, and I think you're in a unique position to answer this question because you deal with athletes who've had injuries and you, you've had an injury also. Um, but my question is, what does trust the process mean to you? Oh man, trust the process. Um, I think trust that what's for you is for you. That's, that's a big thing for me is knowing that situations and things happen in the way that they do. Um, and so part of that process for me, someone who is so faith driven and it's so important for me is knowing that nothing happens by accident um, and knowing and trusting that everything is divine appointments, right? The things that are that seem like setbacks are just setups. And I know that's super cliche, but recognizing that the events that we go through in life are the very things that are necessary for us to get the skills um, that we need to push us forward. So really being able to see it as um, understanding that that process is built for me, not against me even in those moments when I feel like it could be working against me, knowing that I'm fully capable of getting through that process. And then also just who I have around me in that process is so important. So who I surround myself with, that's gonna help me push me forward when I feel myself sliding back, who's gonna be able to propel me forward through that process. So knowing that I create kind of my tribe around me, that I trust that when I have questions about the process, they're there to remind me of what that process looks like and what the other side of that process looks like. Oh yeah. So looking back over your career, your life thus far, um, what advice would you give your younger self? Man, what advice would I give my younger self? I would tell myself that the hardest parts of your life are setting you up for the best parts. Uh, and without the hard parts, you might not be, you may not have been ready to kind of navigate or handle the best parts. And so, um, to whom much is given, much is required. And so I think for me, thinking about uh, opportunities that I've been given that I feel like I don't deserve or I haven't deserved, 
reminding myself that all the work that you're doing, those sleepless nights, the days when it felt like it wasn't gonna be worth it, um, to remind myself that it is gonna be worth it, to not, um, to not try to find shortcuts, but really to be able to, to experience and be in the moment. I think part of it was in my life, always thinking about, okay, what's the next step? What do I have to do next? And sometimes missing opportunities to just be in the moment and enjoy what's right in front of me. Um, as someone who was just always so career driven, I think that I, I might've missed opportunities just to live life in that moment. Um, but looking back at it now, I'm so grateful that, you know, those opportunities aren't lost. I'm able to learn from that. Um, and now I'm able to kind of make up for the areas where I feel like I, I kind of maybe did drop the ball and I can now live that life in the moment um, and celebrate it as it's happening. Wow. Wow. So thank you. Thank you. I want to um, thank you so much for joining us and, you know, being so transparent and open about your story. Do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be remiss as a, a mental health professional to not say the importance of, of mental health. I think it's something that's often taboo. I think it's something that's stigmatized, especially within the black and brown community. And as a, you know, as a black mental health provider, I always encourage trying to break that stigma um, as a woman of faith, how important mental health is, recognizing that the two don't need to be mutually exclusive. You can hold your faith really high and on the other hand hold your mental health really high and so I think it's always important to recognize um, taking care of yourself especially when you're in the role of taking care of other people you have to take care of yourself before you can really show up for others and so I just encourage anyone who's thought about therapy um, if, if hearing this is the thing that kind of pushes you to finally do it I would say do it it's really rewarding um, but uh, mental health is about goodness of fit so finding a therapist it can be challenging. I encourage people to not do it once. And if it doesn't go the way you hope, giving up on it, just knowing um, it's a goodness of fit. So the same way you try on a pair of shoes, if it doesn't fit, you try on another pair. You don't stop wearing shoes because the first pair didn't fit. So I encourage people to always tap into resources. You can always reach out to me if you need help finding a therapist. But one thing I often tell people is that we deserve healing. If you haven't healed and you're living your life through your trauma, you want to be able to live life through um, through the scar, not through the wound. And I think a lot of us live our lives through through that that wound that hasn't gone healed. But to be able to live through that scar, it doesn't take away from the experiences that we have. But we we deserve to heal from from those difficult and that those adverse uh, situations that we talked about. Awesome, awesome. Where can the listeners find you? Uh, either on social media, email, uh, to reach out to if they have any questions or want to give you feedback about this episode. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you can find me on Instagram at docmarie21. So that's D-O-C. I'm finally embracing uh, embracing the doctor. <laughs> D-O-C, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, 21 on Instagram. Um, honestly, the other social media avenues I don't use as much. Um, I've jumped into the, the Clubhouse wave. So you can find me on Clubhouse as well under the same name. Um, but yeah, I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to, to, to meet with you, to have this conversation. And I hope it inspires someone out there. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth. Overcome.
Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through. And not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.